welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Berry. This podcast is for grandparents on the go with their grandchildren and for parents who want to ensure loving relationships across the generations. I welcome your input and your feedback on every episode of the podcast we produce. Please send me an email at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Grammy Adventure. Please follow or subscribe to my podcast. It's free so you won't miss an episode and ask your family and friends to do the same. You can subscribe to the monthly newsletter by visiting my website, adventureswithgrammy.com, and clicking the newsletter sign-up link. My guest this week is Jill Bowler, also known as Nana Jill. She has a blog and a newsletter titled Adventures in Nana Land, brimming with all things necessary to help grandparents be the best grandparents they can be. Before we listen to my conversation with Nana Jill, I want to remind you that the Adventures with Grammy essay contest will launch Friday, July 23rd, which is Gorgeous Grandma Day. The essay contest is a way for children ages 5 to 16 to honor their grands in 250 words or less by completing the statement, My grand is grand because... To learn more, visit adventureswithgrammy.com forward slash podcast forward slash contest dot html. Now for the interview. Tell us about your grandmother journey. Tell us about your children, your grandchildren, and how did you learn to be a grandmother? My grandparenting journey actually began with my parenting. I was a young mother. You know, my husband and I were young and dumb. We barely had a an IQ above room temperature, I think, when we got married, because we thought we could conquer the world. And we didn't know much better and just started having a family. And before we knew it, we had six beautiful children. And we had five boys and one little girl. And our little girl didn't come till number five. So we were pretty convinced we were never going to have a girl. She was beautiful and wonderful. She was our little rose among thorns. Sometimes we like to say, although we loved our little boys too. I never knew. I knew I always wanted to be a mother, but I never knew how wonderful it would really be till I got there. And I loved every stage of my kids' lives. Even the teenage years, when they got a little bit hard, I still really loved my teenagers. I knew if I didn't kill them in those hard times that they would maybe someday give me grandchildren, we could do this all again. (laughs) And sure enough, my children have now given us 15 beautiful grandchildren. Again, most of them boys. We have 11 grandsons and four granddaughters. We just love each one of them as much as we loved our own kids. When my kids were little, we were kind of the Kool-Aid house, you know, where the kids like to hang out. We had a wonderful neighborhood and lots and lots of children for my children to play with. I was happy to be one of those homes where once everybody had one friend, there were 12 children running around my house and I just never knew the difference. It was just fun and games all the time. We loved the chaos and I just never knew I could love that so much. So now that we have 15 grandchildren, it's kind of almost not different when they're all running around here (laughs) and making lots of chaos. We really love the 
loud, the excitement, the little boys loved a rough house and the little girls loved to dress up. And actually my oldest granddaughter, she really likes to just mix it up with the boys. She's really funny. She loves to get in there and do what they're doing. So they love that. Let's see. So my grandchildren are 15, 13. We have three 11-year-olds. Then they go down to nine. We have three eight-year-olds, seven-year-old. He is almost eight. So there was four of them born like within a year of each other. It was really awesome. (laughs) Then we go down to the three five-year-olds and a four-year-old and an 18-month-old. I think I covered them all. (laughs) I didn't count. But we we got a lot of them in, in threes. And even the one time we got them in fours there. So it was kind of fun. We kind of have all the ranges. We go from teenagers down to our little baby girl, um, our little granddaughter. She's just a joy. But as far as where I learned to be a grandmother, I, I can't say that I was, I, I didn't really have the, the role model of grandparenting because I left my grandparents. My maternal grandparents just weren't really kid people. You know, when we go to their home, it was just to visit and we'd sit quietly and not do too much. Their home was a little bit like a museum. We, we just didn't have a whole lot of interaction with them. I saw them mostly on holidays and whatnot. Now, my paternal grandparents, my grandfather was, had already died by the time I was born. And my grandmother was quite elderly. She did live with us. I learned a lot from being around elderly people from growing up with her in our home, which was such a blessing to me. So even though she couldn't do a whole lot, I guess you could say she was somewhat of a role model for me. I love the closeness that I had with my grandmother. On my blog, I've talked about uh, how she, she had 12 brothers and sisters. She came from a very, very large family. Her brothers and sisters were spread out around the country and they would write letters to each other. Well, my grandmother's eyesight wasn't good. And so after I learned to read cursive, I was able to read letters to her from her siblings. It was such a fun thing because that's where I learned to really love getting snail mail. I would sit out by the mailbox and wait for the mailman to come because I knew my grandmother was expecting a letter from one of her siblings. So it was really fun to be able to read those to her. And then I would help her write back to them. It was really fun to see the next installation of the saga, you know, whatever was going on in somebody's life. I used to sit and watch, my grandmother liked to watch Lawrence Welk. Who remembers that? (laughs) I I guess if you're old enough, you'll remember (laughs) Lawrence Welk. And even as a small child, I loved to sit and watch with her because it didn't matter what she was doing. I liked being with her. She was kind. She was patient. She just wasn't very active, you know, so she couldn't do a whole lot. Uh, So I suppose that was one place that I learned even the small things, just being with my grandmother could create that relationship and build that, that bond with her that has lived on way past, you know, her passing away. I wanted my grandchildren to experience Since I was a young grandma, I thought, I've still got a lot of energy. I've been blessed to have my health. So I can do things with my grandchildren. And I wanted to create those same kind of bonds and memories, but with a lot more activity and energy and just loads of fun. And that's what we do around here. 
It was just loads of fun. Tell me how Adventures in Nanoland came to be. You know, it's funny because Adventures in Nanoland was never really meant to be. (laughs) It just came about when I was being asked by a lot of my friends and relatives about how I do my grandma count. And someone suggested to me that I start a little blog and write everything down because I was saying, oh, I have to keep repeating myself over and over. And I said, I didn't know so many people were interested in doing this. But she said, you know, that way I could just give people a little link and they could read about it. I thought it was a great idea, but I didn't really understand how I would do that. So I kind of began digging around for information and I realized that I could actually start like a real blog that not only my friends and relatives could read, but friends that I hadn't met yet, AKA strangers, they could read it too. That was really exciting to me because then I could share that info with like other grandparents, even people I didn't know, maybe get to know some of these people um, and I could help them do their grandma camp or even other fun things because I love to do so many things with my grandkids. I kind of feel like it's selfish of me not to share. So it sounded like a fun little hobby. And I love to write. It was just kind of born out of, I didn't know what to do or how to do this. But when it became exciting that I could share with others, it came about. And the name Adventures in Nanoland is kind of a little play on Disney's Neverland. Because Neverland is a place where you never grow up. Because my hubby and I love to play and be on the kids level. And in some ways, we feel like we've never grown up, especially him. (laughs) And the name (laughs) Nana kind of fit perfectly since... I'm the mastermind behind the fun and the chaos around here. Papa just comes along for the ride most of the time because I'm a planner. I like to plan activities. Papa, he is a happy fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy. And he does a lot of the spontaneous stuff that happens in our home. So we kind of make a great team there, but we both love Disney. We grew up around Disneyland because we both grew up in Southern California and we love the magic of Disney. You know, that's what we want for our home to be for our grandchildren, just a place where laughter, learning, and love come together in this magical environment. And it doesn't matter whether that happens through big events, you know, like our grandma camp, which we call Camp Nana Papa, (laughs) or just small and simple things like holding the little ones on our lap and reading a book or having a conversation with those teens and tweens about their struggles. Boy, they need a listening ear sometimes. (laughs) But, you know, collectively, these all make the magic of building those relationships and creating memories that will stay with our grandchildren, hopefully, long after we're gone. Tell us about your your camp, Nana Papa. What is involved with that? I mean, I've, I've had it with my grandkids where they've come to the house and we've had the camp. But I've talked to other grandparents who who also have grandma camps or cousins camps and they seem to be quite elaborate in their planning with matching t-shirts and special themed dinners and I feel kind of (laughs) like oh mine's just kind of thrown together it's you know (laughs) the kids have fun and that's the that's the goal but it's not this spectacular production like I hear other grandparents talk about what is your grandparent camp like Well, Carolyn, like I said, I'm the planner. So it really (laughs) is. It's a planned out, sometimes a grand event. However, the one thing I've learned is that no matter what amount of planning I do, they're kids. (laughs) It may or may not come off as planned. The beautiful part of that 
is that in steps our papa with his spontaneous, you know, whatever. The very first year we were making marshmallow shooters, you know, out of the PVC pipe, something fun, you know, a little craft to do. So we were putting those together and I had told my husband what we were doing. He cut all the PVC pipe and everything. And he says, oh, okay. I had planned for that activity to uh, last just, you know, X amount of time. By the time we were done, it had been hours. My husband got out not only tons more marshmallows than I even knew we had (laughs) for these kids to be shooting. He made the biggest game of it. And then he even disappeared for a little bit and he supercharged his gun and made it so that it was better than all of the kids' guns. So <laughs> then they wanted to supercharge theirs, <laughs> like Papa. And this just became the most spontaneous, fun, roll on the floor, hide behind the trees and the couch and wherever we were inside, outside, we were everywhere. And it was just so much fun. So we do originally set out to have it very planned. Um, The reason we do that is because we have our grandkids around a lot and we wanted it to be something more than the ordinary. We wanted to do something just a little bit grander, a little bit more planned and something that they could look forward to every year. I I have to admit, it started a little bit selfishly I wanted the grandkids for an amount of time without their parents. It's like, go away. We want to have our grandkids and have some fun. We have them all just to ourselves. And I think we started this when we only had about half the number of grandkids we do now. I had heard of something kind of like this and they had their grandkids for like a whole week. This one set of grandparents, they had their kids, their grandkids for a whole week in the summer on their little farm for a camp. And I thought, well, we don't really live on a farm. We're kind of city folks. Not that I wouldn't love to pack it all up and move to a farm. (laughs) I really would. But I thought we could create, you know, a few days of fun with our grandkids just here in our home and they could be together with all their cousins and we could make memories. And so Camp Papa was born out of that. So now it's grown to, they get formal invitations because they know when they get an invitation, oh my gosh, it's coming. And they look, it just gives them something to really look forward to. We give them little packing lists so they know what to bring. I'll tell them, you know, hey, we're going to do this theme. So we always plan a little theme around it. It kind of makes my planning easier if I have a theme, then it focuses my brain a little more. Because I wanted to to do all the things. This way I can focus on a few fun things, you know, while they're here. But we get, we've only done t-shirts one year. And I actually had them make the t-shirts because we did tie-dye. I had no idea how much the kids were going to love that activity. And they've actually been asking to do it since. Can we do more tie-dye? They love doing the tie-dye shirts. I often will get just a little, like a little cinch sack, the little backpacks that just cinch up because they're they're less expensive than a full-blown backpack, but all fill them full of goodies. They always get a flashlight because they love all the giggling and things after hours, after we shut off the lights, they'll turn their flashlights on and, and continue giggling into the night sometimes. So we give them a flashlight and we'll give them something to go with the theme. I always give them a little water bottle that we put their name on and I'll, I'll put a little wrap on it that has the camp theme on it. So it's just kind of something that makes it a little more special than the ordinary, hey, sleep over at Nana and Papa's house. 
And they seem to just love, love, love it. The thing that happened though, was after the first year, they were like, we don't want to go home. We want to stay here, which of course melted my heart and just made me so happy that, yay, I think this was a success. We accomplished what we wanted to, you know, make those memories and make a time that they were looking forward to, but they wanted to do it many times during the year. (laughs) I said, well, that's just not feasible guys. Summertime ends and you guys go back to school. And so we started creating little weekends where we could do just the weekend together. And one of their favorites is our Polar Express weekend. They really look forward to that. We do that during uh, Christmas time, usually with their, in connection with Christmas break or something. It's really fun to have them for those special times and not just a regular sleepover. Not that I want to diminish that regular sleepover (laughs) or just that regular afternoon that we spend with them because those those things all add up. It's, it's cumulative, you know, but they really do look forward to these little times when they can say, bye, mom and dad, we know you're not going to be here. We just get Nana and Papa all to ourselves. I do want to reassure listeners that if you've never had a camp grandma, you've never had a camp, a cousin's camp, it can be as informal as you are comfortable doing. In my case, when it was just the four boys, they would come to the house and we live on a farm. So I don't know if I was the farm one you you heard about, but the kids would come. Yeah. And, you know, they would ride horses. We also had the marshmallow guns. My husband also has a potato gun. And if your husband (laughs) souped up a marshmallow gun, he should look into making a potato gun because that is really, really awesome. (laughs) Oh, I bet he'd love that. We've taken the kids like to ride a ferry because they'd never done that before. I took them to a bug, uh, it was called the bug box where it was just an old house. And this was like a museum of different bugs. We've gone to, we went fossil hunting. That was, that was a fun thing. Then after that, we actually went to a a family friend's house that are kind of like formal fossil hunters, real fossil hunters. And they gave the kids a little presentation. There's one room in their house that is like a museum with just fossils from all around the world. And the kids sat quietly and listened to this little presentation and they left with a bag of fossils. That was so much fun for them. But it it doesn't have to be extreme. benefit to the kids is just like you said that one-on-one time with grandparents that doesn't include the parents and it's really a lot of fun can you give our listeners a few tips on how to get started and and what should they consider I love the idea that you it does not have to be grand but I think it does well I guess it does have to be grand doesn't it (laughs) not the word it I wanted to use. It does have to be grand, yes. <laughs> and I agree with you in that it, it has to be planned, but it doesn't have to be elaborate plans. Correct. It does not have to be elaborate at all. As long as it's special, as long as they know they're going to have your full attention, I think that's the number one thing that I would say is make sure you don't have any distractions while your grandchildren are there. Take off work if you're still working keep the devices, phones and whatnot to a minimum, you know, unless you're connecting with their parents or whatever. But 
I would say, you know, keep the TV off unless you're watching a special movie all together, right? Don't, don't have the TV and some of those other distractions that are in our lives, just cut all of those out uh, so that when you have your grandchildren, you can be completely focused on them and what's important to them. We don't always, other than the, the invitations and, and what happens before, when we're actually at camp, it's not super elaborate, to be honest. Well, maybe it doesn't feel elaborate to me. Maybe it would to someone else. But we just really enjoy being together. We create time in our camp that's just playtime. That the cousins are just playing together. That we are just playing with the, the kids. <laughs> they love to jump on the trampoline and squirt the hose at each other. <laughs> And it's great if we can get out there with them in our bathing suits and just have fun with the kids. Although I have to admit, after having six children of my own, jumping on the trampoline is not one of my favorite activities. <laughs> so <laughs> we have to be careful as we get older, right? <laughs> right? But I do get out there and I'll sit in the middle of the trampoline and let them bounce me and bounce around me. But just being in the middle of them and being together Sometimes um, after bedtime routine, laying down with them wherever they're at and just listening to them chat, just chatting with them. I think those are the moments not to miss when you're having a camp with the kids. Don't miss those small moments. I sometimes will sit at the table while they're eating and just listen to the conversation. Sometimes it's absolutely hilarious, especially the five-year-olds. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And sometimes it's very insightful. You'll get to know so much about your grandchildren and it helps you, I think, relate the rest of the year to, as to what's important to them. If I hear them talking about their sporting activities, I know that, it's, that that's important to them. So I want to make sure that if I can, I attend those things. If they're playing the piano or um, my, I have one grandson that is doing karate. That's so important to him. None of the other grandkids do karate, but I know that when he invites me to come to his belt advancement, you know, it's just a small thing, but I want to be there if I can, because I know that's important to him. So that's, I think a big tip would be don't miss those little moments. Um, even if you have an elaborate camp planned, don't get so caught up in the details of the planning that you miss out on that. As you're getting started, I would definitely say start simple. Do not try to do an elaborate camp your first time out. I would start with just a couple of days, maybe two, maybe three if you're adventurous. I wouldn't even try to tackle a whole week if you're at all hesitant. I would keep it super simple doing things, you know, at home for us, we have to do most of our camp around our home because with 15 of them, when they're all here, four of them are long distance. So they're not always here, but even with the 11 that we have close by, we're a little short on seatbelts when we try to go places. <laughs> so when we go places, we, and we're greatly outnumbered, which isn't always safe either. So if we leave the house, we do have to recruit parent volunteers. <laughs> we will we'll ask them to volunteer to drive. We've gone hiking. We've gone to a splash pad. 
we have a little children's museum that's uh, it's a curiosity museum that's close to us and the kids love going there. So we will ask the parents to be with us for that activity so they can help drive and so that we're safely having enough adult chaperones, especially because we, you know, we've got quite a few little ones. Really like being in a very public place where we can't make sure we're keeping an eye on all of them. So yeah, I would say keep it simple and keep it very focused on what they would like to do. That's one of the things, Carolyn, keep the meals very, very simple. (laughs) Don't try to do elaborate meals. My first year, I thought, oh, I'm going to do all these big you know, almost gourmet meals for these kids are just going to love it. Oh my goodness. They didn't. I learned the hard way to just keep that really simple and feed them what they like, trying to make it as balanced as possible, but feed them what they like. (laughs) So macaroni, cheese, hot dogs, pizza. (laughs) You got it. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And I even let them make their own pizza. (laughs) That's That's a great activity. Yeah. I was going to tell you that one of the things that we've done is make butter. We've also baked sourdough bread and, you know, there's a little kind of a science lesson built in there. And the other thing that I've done is buy board games and different types of games that stay at my house that the children really only play when they come here. And so that's been fun too, for some quiet time when it's just too hot to be outside and they're tired of being in the water, we can come in and, and play these games. And the kids love that. Oh, our grandkids do too. That's, that's a great suggestion was we do have many times we've incorporated what we call family game night. And we do, we just have games set up and they just kind of go around and play with each other. And when they're done with this game, they move to a different table or whatever. So yeah, they have really loved family game night. I love the idea of making butter. I think we should do that. That is so (laughs) much fun. If, if people sign up for my newsletter, they automatically get a download of, of a book, little booklet that I wrote about how to make butter. And I include it pictures of my children shaking the butter. That was something that my mom grew up making butter. And she helped her grandmother, she helped her mother. When I was little, that was part of my job is helping my grandmother make butter. And then it just kind of disappeared. My, my grandmother died and we just bought butter at the store. And it never occurred to me ever again to make butter until a couple of years ago when my sister was telling me about how she and her grandkids made butter. And I'm thinking, really? Kids would, would like that? Because it wasn't something that I enjoyed doing as a child. To me, it was a chore and I just didn't like doing it. So I thought, okay, our cousin's camp was coming up. So I thought, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this in the mix. I couldn't believe how much the kids enjoy doing that. So it's something that we do on a fairly regular basis. And then last year with COVID and everybody's baking, I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to teach them about baking sourdough bread and how to feed starter. And that was something that they also enjoyed doing. So those were two kind of fun activities in the kitchen that caught their attention. So I was pleasantly surprised. I think that's wonderful because my grandchildren have loved doing the ice cream in a bag and ice cream in a jar, which I assume is pretty similar (laughs) to the making the butter. 
So I bet they love that too. So a lot of shaking, you put on fast dance music and it's amazing. And it doesn't even <laughs> take that long. I mean, from start to finish, and I'm talking getting stuff out and getting it on the counter to the time you actually have butter that you can spread on hot bread. It's less than an hour and it's wow. not even that messy. It's really a cool activity. Oh, I think that's great. Cause we, Hey, we love dance parties around here. We have an old, we have, we, well, it's not an old, it's a newer turntable, but we've got some old records from my husband's father. And I've discovered that my grandchildren love these old songs. A lot of them are kid records too. They're kid songs and they just, they put them on themselves. They dance and we have a grand time. So we'll just maybe put some butter in that mix. And that would be really fun. It is a lot of fun. Now, weren't you telling me about a special closet underneath your stairway that was like dress up closet, make believe closet? We do have that in our playroom. I turned one of the bedrooms in our home into a playroom and you'd never guess that it's all decorated in Disney. So <laughs> it's ah. all Disney themed <laughs> and I have a fun play uh, dress up area there we have a lot of of course disney dress-ups but we have other dress-ups too and the little boys love oh they often will fight over the astronaut suit and the fireman suit (laughs) Mm -hmm. they just love to wear them they'll put them on and they'll just wear them the whole time they're here so i've had to get different (laughs) things in different sizes so that we'd have you know everybody to have a chance to dress up (laughs) I think puppets are a good activity to do at camp too and to try to get the kids into writing plays and making up their own little scenarios and their own little movies. I think that's fabulous. I have a lot of puppets because I'm a puppet girl. I love my puppets but they're, they're just in the playroom. I've actually not really brought them into camp a whole lot. I mean the kids play with them while they're here but I kind of like that idea of a little more of a structured, having them come up with an actual play or maybe a little performance with the puppets. I loved theater when I was a child, not that I was an actress on stage, but I always loved theater. And then when I got into high school and could start writing and doing, I used to like to sketch out my plays and one of these days I thought I would be a screenwriter. And as it turns out, my my niece is. So that's really fun for me to see her doing that. But yeah, oh, that's, that's something fabulous. that they could do too. And it's, oh, it's bridging this. that creativity. And it's actually something with now with technology, it's easy to record a performance. And then there's something that they have as a takeaway from, from camp, like a little souvenir of a of a play they did, a little skit they did. Oh, that's so fun. I think the closest we got to that, um, do you know what stop motion animation is? Yes. yes. Yeah, it's like the old Gumby cartoons, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, with the technology, we've discovered that they have stop motion animation apps. And one year we had them in little groups and they made up their own little movie. And that was really fun. They had a really grand time doing that. So I do love the creativity when it comes out. Matter of fact, they did it with Legos. And so the Legos really came alive in their little videos. (laughs) They were so proud of themselves when they were done. When you were a child, did you ever draw 
pictures on a piece of paper and then the next piece of paper you saw the forward motion and so that when you flip through the character moved did you ever do those I did that one time and thought it was so amazing but because I'm not much of an artist I only did a little stick figure and never thought I could do anything more than that (laughs) I've since become quite an artist (laughs) as an adult (laughs) I mean, I would do these little stick figures and then one scene you might have a little dog and he's chasing a ball, but I enjoy doing that. That was my little artistic movie making. I I didn't have, I didn't have access to anything else except my imagination and paper. And then I could flip through that and see these little movies. And I just thought I was hot stuff that I made my own little movie. So (laughs) again, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It just has to take some imagination. We have the camp and I would encourage grandparents, even if you've never done it before, try just having a day, a night and a day and have parents come for dinner and have something this year before the kids go back to school. It's really a lot of fun. And, and then you can take it from there. It's not too late in the season. And I think everybody in the family would really, really enjoy it. There's some rules. Like I know people who say the child has to be potty trained or the child has to be five. So you can set up the parameters so that the little ones look forward to when they're able to go to camp, cousins camp or camp mama berry or however, whatever your name is going to be. Like I wanted the kids to be potty trained and to be old enough that a few nights away from mom and dad we're not going to traumatize them. So that was, that's how old you have to be to come to my camp. So at this point, all of my grandkids are old enough, except for the baby who's 18 months old. That's fun. I know we, we have, if they're not potty trained, they can come for day activities with their parents. So if they've got a parent here with them, because I really don't want to stop to be changing diapers and whatnot. So we do let them come if they come with a parent. And generally those little ones don't spend the night. We've had a few that have spent the night with us when they were, you know, from the time they're young. And so it didn't matter what age they were, they felt comfortable staying with us. So I usually don't have the unpotty trained ones spend the night, but boy, as soon as they are, they're they're usually ready <laughs> to stay with us. And I love the idea of just doing the two days and a night. I had several grandparents in my that started reaching out to me and telling me they were a little overwhelmed by this thought of, oh, a week-long grandma camp or even three or four days was a little overwhelming because they either felt like they weren't creative enough or they didn't have um, enough space in their home, or even just didn't have quite the energy for it. I, I kind of put out there the idea of this grandma camp weekend. So you can do that in the summer, especially if it's your first one, or you can do them any time of year. You don't have to wait for summer for it to do that. You can do that during those holiday breaks. Like we do our polar express party. Um, we can, you can do it during just even long weekend holidays, you know, President's Day or, you know, whatever. Sometimes the kids have a day off school, a teacher day or whatever. So yeah, it's really fun. 
to grab just those weekends and make that just that special time that's focused on them and you together. I love that you're telling people, yes, do just a weekend before school starts. Get it in there. I want to ask you about your teens and tweens. On your Pinterest site, you have a couple of blog posts about how to talk to your teens, how to, how to listen to them. Most of what we've covered on the podcast has really been more geared toward the younger kids. And I, I don't want to exclude the teens and the grandparents of those children either. So can you just give us some words of wisdom about teenage and tween grandkids. My kids aren't, my grandkids aren't there yet. The oldest just turned nine. I don't feel qualified giving advice because I haven't done it yet. So (laughs) you have, so we're listening to your wisdom. I had a really good relationship with my teenagers and I was hoping to carry that over to my grandchildren. There were a couple of particular incidents where my, my parents, well, actually my father helped with my kids and almost it set a good example for me as a grandparent. But the number one rule for talking to your teenage grandchildren or being, you know, connecting with them is just be a good listener. They have a lot to say if you can get them to open up. Don't be afraid to ask questions and try to avoid those yes and no answered questions. Ask more open-ended questions. Uh, recently in my newsletter, I had put out to uh, the grandparents to ask their grandchildren, how did you change your world today? Now, that's a question that cannot be answered without a little bit of thought. <laughs> and it really can open that's up. An excellent question. I love this question. That started because my son asks his kids that. I was picking up his five-year-old from preschool and he said, hey, mom, if you want a really good, you know, conversation, ask him how he changed his world today. So I asked my little grandson when I picked him up, I said, so how did you change your world today? And he stopped and he said, Hey, my mom and dad asked me that question. (laughs) And I said, I know they told me (laughs) I should ask you since I'm the one picking you up today. And he says, well, actually, Nana, it had to do with recess. And it just opened up this really funny, (laughs) funny conversation about recess. And so then I got thinking, maybe I should be asking the teenagers this. And as I have, it really has opened up some very special conversations between us. I would say that another rule for talking to them is be interested in them. Don't be too quick to give them advice and tell them how to live their life. Be interested in what they're saying and what their struggles are, and asking them to, you know, just kind of expand on how they're feeling about things. You'd be surprised at once they get comfortable, how much they will open up to you. Of course, some of that does depend on what kind of relationship you already have, right? Stay focused on them. Even if you're sharing experiences from your own life, stay focused on their life because they will tune you out (laughs) the minute you start talking about them. One of my other rules is don't judge. They don't do things the way we did them as teenagers. And they're, they're doing things in a whole different world than 
the world we grew up in. And so they have to kind of navigate those teenage years on their own terms, going through this new world that we only understand as adults. We don't understand their world as teenagers. There's kind of a fine line, line there because if you're too quiet, they'll assume you're judging them sometimes. You know, you don't want to have that. But at the same time, make sure they understand that you accept them, that you're proud of them. Pick out the positive things. I know that I had my own grandmother when I faced my biggest struggle as a teenager, I was really worried that grandmother that lived with us, that she would judge me because I had made a pretty big mistake. I was going down a bad path. What do you know? It was my grandmother who stood up for me with my parents. <laughs> she taught my parents that they needed to extend that unconditional love to me so that I could make it through this tough time. So I'm just like, oh, thank you, grandma. <laughs> And it was really important for her because I, I was worried she was going to be my biggest judge and she wasn't at all. That was a nice lesson for you to then be able to, to guide yourself in, in dealing with your, your own grandchildren. And that's probably why you are like you are, because you, you experienced that firsthand. Right. And I, and I did, and I just, I still love her to this day. She died many years ago, but I think about that often. And I, that is such a part of me, that experience. So, and I did make it through that tough time and came out much better on the other end. I think because I knew I had an advocate on my side that helped my parents not be too harsh with me and help me get through that rather than come down on me really hard. You know what I mean? They supported me and, you know, making things better. So that was, that was a really, that was a big blessing I had from my grandmother. I think that is so important that when children are going through a tough time, they need to know there is at least one person who they can count on to love them unconditionally that they don't feel judged. And I do believe that if there's at least one person with whom they can confide and feel love and feel accepted, that as with you, you will get through that tough time. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, it has been such a blessing in my life, but you know, along with that, Carolyn comes the, the really tough question. I've had a lot of grandparents ask me about this because I suggest that you keep confidences, but there are those times when, what if you can't keep their secret because it's something really important. And I caution grandparents about that because you want them to trust you. You want them to have somebody to confide in, but what if it's something that is really harmful? First of all, I tell people, don't freak out about it. Don't act shocked. <laughs> Although sometimes some things they'll say to you will shock you a little bit. Try to stay calm and you don't want your grandchild to be sorry that they told you, but you need to let them know that if it is something that is harmful or life-threatening, you know, if they tell you that they're considering taking their life or something, you know, that's just not something you can just keep to yourself and hope for the best. But I think there are ways you can help them to open up to whoever they need to, whether it's parents or teacher or clergy or whoever it is that can help this situation, that you can help them and be there for them. Like my grandmother was there for me. I was terrified to tell my parents that 
my life was going down this bad path, but I knew she was standing there behind me and being that advocate. So I think that's really important. I recently had a chance to put this to the test because my oldest grandson had done something he wasn't supposed to do, put himself in a potentially dangerous situation. It turned out okay, but I had to go pick him up from where he was. I said to him, I said, you know, I'm not going to tell your parents about this, but I think you should. And so we talked about how his parents are not going to be able to trust him, especially if they find this out by accident. And he wants going into these critical teenage years, he needs his parents to be able to trust him. We had a good talk about what that means to be trustworthy and so that you have more freedom with your parents. And I think that was a really good conversation. It all worked out well with his parents and there was a little bit of discipline involved, but I think all in all, it worked out pretty good. And I think he's working on restoring that trust with his, his parents now. As a teacher, I was a mandated reporter, which meant there were certain things that I had to report to my supervisor about a student. Often I had students confide in me and I would always tell them up front, I will keep your secrets. However, by law, there are some things that I cannot keep secret. So if you choose to tell me those things, I will do the best I can to help you, but I will have to let your parents know about this. And I will have to let my supervisor know about this. And there were some children who chose to do that anyway, because like with your grandson, they knew they had done wrong. They just didn't have the capacity to know how to get out of the situation. And they were asking for help, even though it may not sound like they were asking for help. They indeed were asking for help. I don't think that would come as a surprise to a lot of kids that you can only keep so many secrets. Hopefully not. I mean, hopefully they'll tell you up front if they're telling you, okay, this is a secret you can't tell anybody, then I think it is important to let them know, say, without knowing the situation or the people involved, I can't really make that promise. And then let them decide, you know, say, there are certain things that I would have to talk to someone about. If they told a secret about a friend who was being abused or something, I just wouldn't be able to keep that secret. That would have to be something that was because you don't want any child, even if it's your grandchild or their friend or whoever, to be in any kind of danger or bad situations. When one of my sons was a teenager, he was experiencing some depression and I got a message from the principal at the school that my son was thinking about taking his life. The note that the principal had gotten was anonymous, but I'm so grateful that child was not willing to keep that secret, you know, that my son probably told him in confidence. It opened up that avenue for us to get our son some help before it was too late. He's grown up to be a wonderful adult now because we got him help when he needed it. Well, our time is about up and I want listeners to know where they can find you on the internet. You have a Pinterest account with a wealth of grandparent information, and I will definitely put these addresses in the show notes, but if you could share with us how grandparents can reach you. They can go to, we're online at adventuresinnanaland.com and Adventures in Nanaland on both Pinterest and Instagram. Let's see. I think it's Adventures in Nanaland on Facebook too. 
we're uh, on a lot of different places um, and we love to see people there. We love to interact with our grandparenting group. Love to hear the questions and the comments. And I love it when they share their grandparenting journey with me and all the fun little things that they're doing. I often like to reshare those things um, in my weekly newsletter or on the blog somewhere. We love to hear from all the grandparents that follow us. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.